Hi folks, there were a few audio issues with today's episode, we do apologise for that. We appreciate you sticking with us throughout the episode, and we're working hard to rectify this for next week's show. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's episode of Fresh on the Heels. And welcome to episode two of Fresh on the Heels. This is the weekly podcast that covers all things WWE. I am here with my dear friend, John Quinster. How are you, Quinn? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for um, making sure you got my name right on Facebook last week when you posted out about our <laughs> debut episode. Uh, I think people are going to start to believe that we're not actually friends. <laughs> I know, yeah, we wouldn't want that, would we? So me and no, Quinn have known each all. other for probably about maybe 11, 12 years. Yeah, coming up to that, I would reckon, yeah. Yeah, and the other week after our first episode, uh, which is all about the Elimination Chamber, you can go back and listen to that on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, That's fresh on the heels. If you give us a follow on Spotify, you'll get up to date with all the new episodes as well. You posted out to Facebook that we'd release this show, but you referred to me as Stephen Webster instead of my actual (laughs) name, Stephen Webb. You know, explain yourself, Quinn. Well, I don't think I've called you anything other than Webbo in the in the ten plus years that we've known each other, okay. and I think it, I think it's fair to examine that it's it's rare that somebody's nickname is longer than their actual surname. So okay, okay. I, I feel like I feel like I have every reason to be justified. I'll accept that. I mean, just so you know, when it does get to the point that I'm putting a steel chair around the back of your head <laughs> as we split up this faction, I will yeah. be using that as a reference point as as one of the things that tip me over over the edge so we recorded our first ever episode last monday and that was a special episode that covered the elimination chamber from last sunday uh, i wanted to ask you as well quinn with regards to the first episode how did you feel it went yeah um i i've, I've listened back to it myself a couple of times now and uh and i think i think it gelled really well i think we got our points across and it just it just was fun and it seems we've got some listeners as well which uh, i just want to take the time to thank well, thank you guys for for giving us an hour and a bit of your life, and hopefully that that'll continue. But yeah, just more to the point, we just I think we just enjoyed doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I would echo those sentiments. Thank you so much for everyone who did listen and supported the show in that first week. I'm hoping that we can get a little bit of a, a fan base built up. Uh, you know, the the fresh on the heels universe, if you like. So we're going to start off with Monday Night Raw, fresh off the heels of the Elimination Chamber. <laughs> It wasn't quite what I expected it to be. I think we opened up with The Miz coming out uh, with John Morrison. They were celebrating the fact that Miz had cashed in successfully and become yeah. the WWE champion for the first time. And I think it had been about 10 years since his last Yeah, run. just just coming up to 11, I think. Right, okay. So roughly the same amount of time that we've known each other and, and would know each other's names. Yeah, I'm not around about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> There's a lot to break down with Raw. We're not going to go through every segment like we did with the Chamber bit by bit. We're no. just going to cover the, the main topics. Miz and Morrison were interrupted by Lashley and MVP. It did transpire that Miz had made an agreement with Lashley, as you referenced on the last show, yep. for help in winning the title. I think 
this kind of makes sense to me. You know, Miz wants to be champion. Lashley feels like Miz is more of a beatable opponent than Drew. So it's it's good logic in that sense. Lashley was then asking Miz for a title shot as as promised. And he gave him a one hour ultimatum, which I didn't particularly mind. I think it was a good good way to keep you invested in the show. I don't know if Raw needed to do the the timer countdown that they had throughout the show. I thought that was a little bit odd. But yeah, how did you feel about this sort of opening segment with with Miz and Lashley? I think, do you know what, going into it, I think the segment was the only bit of the show that I really connected with. I think the one hour time limit, You, I agree with the countdown. I do think that was a bit bizarre, but the, the, the one hour time limit worked perfectly because as I'm sure people who watch the show or watch highlights or things along around that will realise that Raw struggles to keep its viewers. So I think that kind of, you're right, kept people invested. People are going to want to see what happens. And going off the back of Chamber, it made sense that they opened up. I think we said, didn't we, we mentioned that we think that Drew was going to be in there some way in, to, in the in the build-up to Mania. And I just think it kind of got that ball, ball rolling. Started the right way, in my opinion, as we'll get to it. I'm not really sure that it, it ended in the right way. But yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, so we then had a match with Riddle and Morrison, which I quite liked. I've not seen yes, these two yeah. together before, but the <laughs> the match itself, him and Morrison, they're quite a good little dynamic, uh, and Riddle came out on top. I don't know if this was for the title. I don't know if it was just... It a... wasn't, no. It was a non-title match. I think that was a wise move, because after the, the repercussions of Chamber again, Morrison was the one that took the pin, so that Lashley looked strong. I think it was a way that Morrison could lose, and Riddle could win, but neither looked weak. I think yeah. going into that, that's needed to needed to be the case. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a non-title match. Definitely. And then we had this segment backstage with Truth, Damian Priest, and Bad Bunny. More of the WWE playing on the fact that he might be called Bugs Bunny or whatnot. I the, I saw the SNL episode Saturday Night Live with Bad Bunny on. He was actually really good, and he, he had the title on him for his second performance. He seems to be absolutely loving the role and, and you know thriving in it, and he's doing great things in his own career. Do you think at any point he's going to start regretting being tied closely with the WWE, with the type of storylines that he's going to get involved in? You know, people are sort of openly taking the piss out of his name on TV, whether it be yeah. inadvertently like Michael Cole or you know deliberately like Truth. Is that going to ruin him? And his brand slightly, or do you think it's it's not too worrying? He's just enjoying himself. Yeah, I think I think there could have been a little bit of um, severity taken with it if it was just our truth because it's our truth's character. So I think you would have been able to stun that, understand that he'd have got it wrong. I think he's been calling the twenty four seven title the TV European hardcore mm. title for whatever like goes along with that gimmick. I think I don't think it was helped much by like you just mentioned Cole. Inadvertently getting it wrong, like I think that there was no intention. I don't think that's going to help. I mean, there's no harm for him to have the twenty four seven title while he carries on this the role that he's going down, and it's good publicity for him, and it's and it, and it expands to a wider audience to WWE or the way or that's what they'll see it as anyway. But yeah, I think I think for the time being, it's it's the best that he, position he could be in. Yeah, okay. I mean, like I say, I've got no sort of opinion on it just yet. I, I don't. I don't particularly mind there being a celebrity with that title. I think for what it is, it can work. I just don't know if the the longer it goes on, I can see Vince actively trying to get him in a 
carrot on a pole match or something. And it, <laughs> it just worries me slightly for him. But yeah, next match was the New Day in which Retribution. Is that right? Yeah, New Day Retribution. So it was quite a quick and easy win for Kofi and Xavier Woods. Yeah. It led to quite an interesting thing after the match is why I brought it up. with Mustafa Ali had this bit at the end where he just had a go at them. What are your thoughts on how that might be playing out? Yeah, I think I think one thing that Raw or WWE like to do as well, and I can see this with Retribution, is that they like an unstable, stable part okay. of the pun. I know, I don't know if you noticed a few weeks back, it looked like they were trying to do it with the Hurt Business, and I think they've maybe seen their error of their ways with that and maybe kind of nipped it in the bud. It looked like they were, uh, Lashley, Lashley was getting a little bit restless and they were kind of like a, there was a power struggle within the group. And I think they maybe kind of skipped ahead of that because they realised that actually the Hurt Business are, are money for them at the moment. So I think, yeah, they feel like they need to see it within a group. So maybe, maybe this could be what the, the road they're going down with Retribution. If that is the case, like we said last week, it's not the worst thing in the world for Ali to get out from under that. I'm not sure I can say the same for T-Bar and the rest and Mace and the rest of them but we'll see we'll only see in the next couple, couple of weeks it's it's the build up to Mania now and, and I know we're going to keep saying this but they've got two days to fill they've got a big card to stack True. so yeah. I think they'll probably look at things like that going forward to see whether they can get what match they can get on or either that or they end up in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal oh Jesus we then had the ultimatum answered at this point that's right so Adam Pearce was in the ring with Lashley and MVP. They called out Miz and Morrison. They had this back and forth where Miz was saying that he's not ready and he wants to take his time and make sure that he'll be ready for Lashley to have a match that he deserves. Obviously, cowardly heel move, which again plays into the Miz's character. I was going to say, Miz does, Miz does that so well, doesn't he? And I think that's that's his that's his thing, isn't it? He, he, he plays on that cowardly heel very well. Yeah, he's probably the best in the company at doing that and he's probably the best that they've had in a long time at doing that. He He's believable in that role as well because of how he's come through the system. He's not your typical type wrestler. He's come from television. He's then become hated and become champion and then he's just worked his ass off for the last 10 years but he can always revert back to that cowardly chicken shit heel, if you like. What then followed, though, was a little bit of a mess for me. So Braun Strowman came out and made a bit of a dick of himself, really. So he kicked off about not being in the chamber match, and he referenced the fact that he wanted to face Miz for the title. Yeah. This brought Shane McMahon out, which, again... Because it, w- because it would, wouldn't it? Because it would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, we're getting towards Mania and Shane needs a, a match to have against a big guy. So I think we're going to be building towards Shane and Braun. Shane McMahon rightly told Braun that the reason that he wasn't in the Chamber match is because that match was for former WWE champions and, and Braun isn't one. No, he isn't, no. So for Braun to be mad about not being in a match that he wouldn't have qualified for anyway seemed a bit ridiculous. Shane then openly calls him thick. And Strowman gives some rubbish comment like, you suck, the Miz sucks, this idea sucks, I want to face the Miz. And then Shane McMahon says, well, that sucks. So we've got this ring full of people, and the whole time I'm just sat there thinking, your fucking champion is there, just basically in the background... Well, wow. yeah, he was just he was just on the screen to look pretty, pretty much, wasn't he? That's the way it kind of it kind of came across, and and I and I sit here and I and I and I'm I've 
mentioned this a couple of times. I sat between a rock and a hard place with this with this particular segment because for the last six months to twelve months, Strowman has been underutilized and has become, dare I say it, a, a new age big show. I think that is he, he's you can never remember if he's face or if he's heel. Um, they turn him depending on what day of the week it is or what show he's on. <laughs> and I just feel that he's been, again, like I said, underutilised. But, as you just mentioned, does that mean we get... I like him. I like to watch him. I think he's entertaining. And if, if watching him battle Shane at Mania means he's on the card, should I be complaining? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm very conflicted with it. I, I know what you mean. For me, at the minute, I don't know if... Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman is the type of match I want to see. I do understand yeah. that there can be a place for Shane at WrestleMania, but I think even in years gone by when it's become more of a, a gimmick spot on the card, he's had better yeah. lead-ups to feuds. I thought the stuff that he did with AJ Styles had built around him being the GM of SmackDown. And I don't mind Shane being in a match when he's got a, a good angle to build towards it, but he's well, on that has TV. Been, hasn't there? The last few years has been a good at like I think that his his return, if I remember correctly, was maybe 2017, 2016. And that was him wanting to come in to take his rightful place as heir under Vince. And then the year after that was AJ. And then potentially the year after that might have been the angle with when he won the tag titles with Miz. Okay, he, he became they became tag champs, then they lost to the Usos, and then he beat up the Miz's dad. Um, and then he ended up <laughs> he ended up winning a false count anywhere, but in the weirdest of ways. Like he Miz like hit a suplex off the top of a stage or something, and Shane just got up first. Like it was it was so bizarre. But uh-huh. anyway, Shane got the win. Uh, and then I obviously I think that he missed it last year because it it wasn't in front of a crowd. But yeah, he does get into these. These you were right in what you're saying. There's these angles, and the and the build the build up to them is 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 great. But I think not to go off a, on a tangent because I easily could here. But I think Raw as a whole, and we'll probably cross this over the next couple of weeks. There's six weeks left till Mania, and Raw seems like everything is up in the air. Yeah, and maybe not in the best of ways either. Yeah, what it did lead to this segment was the match being made for later in the night of Strowman versus Lashley. So this was your main event, and they made the stipulation that if Strowman were to beat Lashley, he'd then be entered into the match between The Miz and Lashley the following week for the title. And Miz's face drops when he finds out that it could be a triple threat match if he has to face the, the two big guys, which again, it, you know, you would be slightly gutted, but I'm just thinking for your first episode of Raw with your new champion, maybe Miz doesn't need to be in the ring for that entire segment. Maybe it can just be between Lashley and Strowman. Perhaps you have an angle where Lashley comes to the ring after this hour's ticked down and he's waiting for the Miz to come out, but then Strowman does. I thought just by having Miz stood there, particularly with Morrison next to him, he just he didn't really feel like a champion at all. And I think based on all of this, it's looking like he might lose the title next week and, and have a two-week reign. It's it's possible. I think I think from a thing we mentioned last week, which is a big fear of mine, but I think it could potentially happen, is that they just wanted to get the briefcase off him. So they know that Money in the Bank comes very soon after Mania. If not, I think it's the next pay-per-view. No, maybe Backlash, then Money in the Bank. Mm. 
so they'd have to have started again anyway. And I think, yeah, and I, I just think potentially whoever's the powers that be, Vince or whoever, see that there's more money in seeing Lashley go into the Mania as champion. So elsewhere on Raw, we had AJ beat Ricochet. We had Lana and Naomi beat Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. And there were also a couple of wins for the Hurt Business over Lucha House Party. Yep. Damian Priest beat Angel Garza and, and Sheamus beat Jeff Hardy too. So quite a stacked card overall. We then had this segment with Randy Orton backstage. Did you see this? <laughs> Was this in regards to the black tar? <laughs> but yeah, so for those who didn't see or or just need a bit of clarification on it, yeah. Orton's backstage talking about his recent troubles with Alexa Bliss. I believe yeah. her appearing on the screens in the Thunderdome cost him a shot at the chamber. He's talking about how he's been distracted by Bray, but he can overcome anything. And we cut again to this this image or video of, of Alexa Bliss in sort of a demon hexagon type witchcraft thing. And Orton coughs mid-promo, which you'd ordinarily just think, it's strange that they've left that in because it's backstage and they could have just edited that out. But what we're actually leading to is one of the weirdest things you've ever seen on TV. We go back to Orton after another clip of Bliss and he just spews black tar out of his mouth. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? And I've got I've got to give credit where credit's due here because... What this this whole gimmick they put on Alexa Bliss is, I, it's, I fucking love it. I think it's fantastic. Me too. I think it's I think it's incredibly well done. I think if they build up to where we think we're going, we think that essentially it's going to be Orton be the fiend at Mania. If they get to where they need to go and and ex- execute it correctly, it's it's probably going to maybe take the night. The one thing that I can't get my I struggle with, and maybe it's down to our age now, but. Their obsession with the occult has dated back to the Attitude Era from, say, the Ministry of Darkness and the Undertaker, the Rise of the Undertaker and all that sort of stuff. And they just won't let it die. And it's mad to think that they still think people in this day and age are going to watch that primetime television on a Monday <laughs> night and go, what the fuck, what's that coming out of his mouth, man? Like, Because yeah. well, we would have, in the 90s, we would have been like, can you believe what they've done? They set... They, buried Austin alive and set him on fire again. <laughs> <laughs> and well, he was back the next week. There yeah. is yeah, there is there is a certain love for that. And I've been enjoying the stuff with the fiend. I think the fact that they've incorporated Bliss into it as well is just great. She's kind of ready she's made for that role really. Yeah, she really is, yeah. And it's got it's just doing wonders for her and she can come back at any time and be the old Alexa Bliss and she'll just be red hot when she does. The fiend as well, I I don't dislike the mystical sort of things that he does very much like taker was in the 90s yeah with the lights going out and him appearing elsewhere with him being able to you know pop out of boxes whatever it may be it's all great i just don't know how you link him being able to cause another man to throw up tar (laughs) (laughs) so that happened and it made me chuckle. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. I imagine when they put that together, they wanted it to be a bit spooky, but it looks like, you say, it's going to be Orton versus The Fiend at Mania. I don't dislike that either. Was it not those two who had that match where the ring was covered in? Uh, uh, yeah, like LED bugs. LED uh, yeah, bugs, I th- yeah. I think, I think that's what everybody's hoping for now is that there was this build-up between that, obviously Orton joining the Wyatt pub 
and then obviously burning down the his his the house his shed as it was yeah. the compound that's it uh with obviously which was the death of sister abigail and and all those things and and it, and, he, and he's what i do like about the fiend's character is that he's a lot of his gimmick is that he he's become this character because of what's happened to him in the past so he takes a dig at husky harris he he mentions the burning of Sister Abigail and, you know, he's brought as Abby the Witch as one of his puppets and he's become this person based on stuff that's happened to him and he doesn't forget the past, sure. which, is, which is really clever of them incorporating this back into a Randy Orton feud. And I think, again, done right, that they can make up for that, whatever that was at, at WrestleMania a few years ago. So Definitely. I think, I think the, the, this... the Firefly Funhouse match that he had with Cena at Mania was one of my favourite matches in, in recent memory and I think if they could do something similar with Orton because he's got years behind him hasn't he Orton that you can yeah. go back and, and go through and if they do something a bit like that what they did with Cena I'd, I'd be well up for that I think yeah and I think these is I really liked what they did I think it probably wasn't pulled off to the execution of the Mania match with Cena but when they tried to do the Swamp match with Lesnar and where he kind of went through so uh, let's know what mine about with Strowman. I was going to um, say you won't catch not, you won't catch no, Brock anyway near no. a swamp match. <laughs> no, no, not a clue. He doesn't see swamp matches. No. Um, he's, somebody says cinematic match to to Lesnar. He walks out that door. He throws yeah, that Universal title right yeah. at his face and walks clean out. Quits. No, I think I think with that 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 wasn't done as well. But I liked the angle that they went down with the sort of like almost like the three faces of Foley. They, mm. they, they yeah. have, they have Bray Wyatt. They have the white, the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt, and now they have the fiends. And it kind of that, that sort of like alternate between the three. It's, 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 it's quite. And I, I look like you know, I think yeah, maybe they shouldn't have let him lose to Goldberg, and maybe they shouldn't have had that really annoying, really long Hell in the Cell with against Rollins, which was all in red light and nobody really. Oh won. yeah, it was like a no contest. Which was a bit like why, and it, that meant so that, that that Rollins didn't drop the the Universal Title, I think. Um, but then he ruined all that when he just lost it to Goldberg in in, <laughs> yeah. in a jackhammer and a spear in the Middle um, East. In the middle, in the Middle East. But yeah, I think again with him taking him off screen, obviously making it out that Orton killed him by setting fire to him in the middle of the ring. He did, yeah, yeah, and I think. I think pretty sure Orton had a burnt face for two weeks as well. He did, he? yeah, because did. if you remember correctly, Alexa Bliss sent a fireball yeah. his way yeah. from, it, from yeah. her fists. It's, so it's all all steeped in, in so much logic that it's hard not to get on board with. But what they're doing very well is they are using the lack of fans in the arena to their credit. So yeah. they will have segments that you wouldn't just be able to do with a live crowd where they're using clever cuts and they're moving people around the ring, particularly with Bliss. She ha- yeah. had a match the other week against Asuka where she was changing her persona back to Alexa, back to this uh, Sister yeah, Abigail her... type yeah, figure yeah. that she is. And, and it was great. So yeah, that that was all good. And, and I think, like you say, it's going to be something that we can definitely look out for. We, we then had a segment with Charlotte Flair and Ric Flair backstage. Nothing groundbreaking but luckily rick flair claimed that he wasn't the father of lacey evans baby which was good to get some some notice on and charlotte appears to be getting a bit sick of her dad being always around she she wants to be charlotte she needs to be herself and he needs to let her do that so she ended up sort of walking away from him and 
we'll come on to SmackDown later, but it looks like Charlotte might now have a clear road to Mania, do we think? Yeah, she's. I think she's done. they've done this before. Um, just roles reversed. I think the last time they did this, um, Charlotte was uh, the best that she can be and she was full heel and it was Rick that we had to sort of feel sorry for. I think it's she's happy to work with her, her dad and stuff. But yeah, I, t- I get what you mean. I think that now that we've established that Lacey's out of the picture, I think it may create uh, a window of opportunity for her um, which might give her a bit more of an exciting match rather than sort of just uh, squashing Lacey and walking out with the title. But who knows? I don't know. I think I think anything could still happen in in the the Raw women's picture. Definitely. And then we had the main event, so it was Lashley against Strowman. Miz was at ringside for this one. Quite a physical match. Two big dudes really just going at it. Yeah. Lashley kicks out of a power slam, which not many people have done before, which they mentioned on Raw. And then he hit the spear on Braun to win in fairly short fashion, really. They made Lashley look real strong here. And Miz tries to attack him after the bell. And Lashley just dominates him as well. And the end of Raw is left with Strowman down, the Miz down, and Lashley up on the ropes with the belt. So they they made him look like a million dollars, really, which was good for him. It looks like he's going to be champion next week i think from from what i can tell can you see it going any other way i want to i'd like to my my theory now going forward is maybe that they won't and they might let him get the win at mania but then yeah there's we talked about this last week and 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 i think in the next couple of weeks it'll begin to once we know what happens between the miz and lashley i think we'll have a better idea of what direction it's going to go in i know for a good few years Vince has wanted Lesnar v Lashley. Like that is what Lashley has been built up to be. This unstoppable monster. And I think that's the only way you can see it going forward. But I just don't see and I think we mentioned this again, I don't see a Lesnar return to Raw because of Heyman being on SmackDown. I don't see a Lesnar return without the involvement of Heyman. So True. We'll see. Okay, so that was Monday Night Raw, so let's talk about Wednesday night's NXT action. NXT was built around a couple of interesting angles. It was the Santos-Escobar match against Karrion Cross. If Escobar refused to show up, as he had done in previous weeks, then he'd have the title stripped from him. We also had the ongoing story around the Undisputed Era as well, which is it's hot stuff at the minute. So NXT opened up with Gargano against Loomis. It was a good match. Gargano tends to have good matches against everyone he faces. What are your thoughts on Dexter Loomis, Quinn? Do you know what? He's growing on me. I wasn't keen when he first came in. I remember when he was part of the... Do you know when NXT kind of do their bulk of new signings, um, which yeah. they, they they had one this week? Um, I think it's their biggest yet, isn't it, that they've just brought on? They've just took yeah, in a lot more talent yeah, than ever. a lot more talent. And uh, and he, he, he had to grow me a little bit. And I, I, would, I couldn't really work out what the angle was with him or really what the sell was. But Maybe it's watching him in matches like this week because, like you've just said, Gargano can get the best out of anybody, and it is quite entertaining what they're doing with that. What they're doing with that storyline is entertaining. The fact that he's kind of almost brainwashing, not brainwashing, but sort of the the members of the way. So Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory are sort of coming round to the idea of Dexter Loomis. It's, yeah, it's, you're getting it's, this Stockholm syndrome sort of. Yeah, that's more it. like that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and it's it is quite interesting. I think. I'm not quite sure on him yet. I think his whole gimmick of being a 
bit of a weirdo. It's not quite resonating with me, but there'll be certainly ways that Gargano and Candice LeRae can help that grow. So I don't know how it'll play out, but it's definitely not bad for Loomis to be getting regular ring time with Gargano, I don't think, to build up his character. No, no, and Gargano's cocksure, overconfident heel, as, as he's probably been in that role now for probably, what, 12 months, maybe a little more. Mm. Since maybe since maybe the 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 turning on Champa or the return of Champa, and I think I think as far as heels go, which uh, back in the day when I first became a fan of Gargano, I would have never ever in the life of me said he's going to make a really good heel because I I loved everything he did and I still to this day love everything he does and I think he he carries sort of like he carries a lot of weight with the mid card title. I think it makes the North American title still quite pre- prestigious, but I mean I think maybe eventually we will see Dexter Loomis take it from him. We then had the Grizzled Young Veterans attack MSK backstage. So they broke Lee's hand and they're going to be off telly for a couple of weeks as a result. They came out and bragged about this later on in the night as well. So they had a tag team match against Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. Who Who doesn't love an odd couple tag team? They got together because of the Dusty Classic, didn't they, those two? I'm not entirely sold on them together. It doesn't look like it'll be for long, though, because after the match, backstage, Alexander Wolfe approached Killian Dane and said, you know, you used to be a monster. What's happened to you? And this is at a point where Dane had carried Drake Maverick to the back to be looked after by the medical team. So we, we could be getting towards Dane maybe going on his own again. He certainly, you know, got the skill set to be able to do that. Oh, I've never seen a guy that big move like he does. It's it's yeah. incredible. Even watching him back in the days in the Indies, um, he's he's he can he can throw himself about for a big guy. Was it Big Demo? Did he go under the name of Big Demo? That's it. Yeah, and he was just the, yeah, beast, was incredible the beast from Belfast. The beast from yeah. Belfast. Yeah. So yeah, interesting to see how Grizzled Young Veterans carry on as well. Now that they've got this ongoing feud with MSK, I'm glad that they've not just been put to the back of the line because I think them two work really well together. We also had throughout the night this Cameron Grimes stuff going on and I just wanted to take a moment to give a little round of applause to Cameron Grimes. You love to see it, don't you? You love oh, to see it. Oh, so good. He was doing the million dollar man shtick from years ago. Yeah. Uh, again, if nobody has seen this, million dollar man gets a kid to bounce a basketball 10 times. He says, I'll give you, I think it's a thousand dollars or something. And he does it nine times and then DBS, he just palms the ball out of his hand. So Cameron Grimes is watching this on his phone backstage gets the idea in his head to do it, but doesn't watch the video to the end. <laughs> and so he offers to do it to this guy backstage and he just does it 10 times. And Grimes is like, oh, <laughs> I didn't think you'd be able to do it. <laughs> so he has to pay this man. And this goes it's... on throughout the whole night, doesn't it? So he's yeah. he's trying to do it to another couple backstage. And the woman that he chooses to do it is actually quite good at basketball. So as he goes to bat the ball away, she just dribbles it under her legs and gets 10 bounces again. So he's like two thousand dollars out of pocket at this point interesting interesting fact the the blonde lady in that segment is scotty two hearty's daughter oh no way yeah yeah i read about it this morning it's uh she's she's he works backstage i believe at nxt so i think he's a producer oh very cool well, yeah nice nice little it, nugget keep, of information keeping it in the family yeah definitely it's one of those things with nxt that i think they do really well they give time when people aren't in the ring to develop characters still. 
So Cameron Grimes throughout the last couple of weeks, he's not actually been in action, but he's looked really good. Am I right in thinking? Did we mention? Did we? Would did we step on this last week that his gimmick is partially true? He actually has come into quite a bit of money. Oh no was, way! I thought it was completely fictional. Well, I wasn't sure if they're just playing on the, the fact that he was quite nerdy anyway, and 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 obviously that whole thing with yeah, it was it GameStop? GameStop, yeah, that's yeah. it. But I am. I don't know if it is just really a really good work, or he actually has come into money through games GameStop, and they've and they've just worked that into the angle. Which, if is if that is true, that is brilliant. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the sure vignettes they're doing are fantastic as well with him just if, by the pool. If anybody who's listening to the show, and if if you could get us on Twitter, if anybody knows if there's any truth in that, uh, I'd love to find that out. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. So elsewhere on NXT, Tyler Rust beat Leon Ruff. This was after Isaiah Swerve Scott interfered and caused a countout. And we also saw Io Shirai beat Zoe Stark, who's a relative newcomer. They had a pretty good she match was, together yeah. as well. And Jaya Lee beat Katie Cantanzaro. That feud seems to be ongoing between those three. We then had the main event of the night. Uh, it had been played up throughout the night of Regal going out to the back to see if Santos Escobar was going to arrive. He eventually does arrive and they get straight into it in the, the backstage parking lot, him and Karrion Cross. Uh, a lot of sort of action in the equipment trucks as well. So there was a pretty cool spot where he drove down the door of the truck, or the back of the truck, sorry, onto his hands, or onto his chest it might have been. And and they were just going at it throughout the, the studio, basically. They eventually came into the ring. Cross ended up throwing a couple of the guys through the plexiglass that separates the crowd from the ring. Yeah. And yeah, these two had a really great match. What what did you make of this one? Yeah, I think I think it was entertaining and I do think it was good. I'm not sold on either character, if I'm completely honest. Oh really? Um, yeah, I'm not I've I never I have not been sold on Karrion Cross since he came in. I know I know the monster he was in other promotions and I know he was a big signing for them. And don't get me wrong, I could look at Scarlet Bordeaux all day <laughs> for different reasons. But the same with Escobar, I don't, I just, I don't know what it is, and I maybe I need to invest more time in him. I just don't think, I think he's. I'm not going to say Angel Garza because I like him. What was the other guy? Hum, Humberto. Do you remember Humberto? That kind Humberto of like, Carrillo. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just that that idea of being sort of that forced down my throat to 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 want to be invested in a in a Hispanic character or a, uh, a luchador character of that some of that that caliber. And I know this is a bit off topic, and, and, and maybe I'm just a bit too bitter about it, but the Cruiserweight Champion is kicking about on another show. The real Cruiserweight Champion. Jordan Devlin. Jordan Devlin. He's my Cruiserweight Champion. And I just don't, <laughs> and I just don't understand how it's not being addressed. That there are two of the same title being defended weekly, and no one's mentioned it. Yeah, no I think... It's it's partly due to the pandemic, isn't it, that they haven't yes, been able yes, to get it's together. A, it's so a huge, huge, huge to do, hugely to do with that. Yeah, and I think maybe one day we'll get there. Mm. And I and I and I hope I hope that Carrying Cross grows on me because I I think on paper he, I, I would be, I should be a fan, but I don't know what it is. I just don't know if there's enough personality there for me at the moment. Well, I thought his initial build was really good, and obviously he won the title and had to give it up. I really yeah. like Escobar as well. I think. The stuff that they've done with him, they they had him involved in the cruiserweight tournament when Devlin couldn't defend it, and I thought they made him look really good. I think 
Is that when he was masked and he did that whole he, sort of build up to that? And he was, yeah, and that's how he sort of turned heel in the end. He he beat Maverick, I believe it was. That was yeah. when Maverick had been released and then built his way back up through that tournament. Yeah, and he reminds me a lot more of Andrade when he was in NXT than he does with Carrillo or Gaza. I think he's got more of that vibe about him, and I, I can see him being NXT champion at some point. I think he's okay. got a great look about him. Uh, but ultimately, on this one, Cross won the match. It was a non-title yeah. match. I think that makes sense. I don't know if Cross needs to be involved in, in that division at all. But... Cross definitely isn't 205. No, and the forearm to the back of the head is a real cool, real cool finisher, I think. It's yeah. kind, of, kind of a vicious move. So... That was the main event match of the evening. We then moved on to the final segment of the show, which I know you were very keen on. It's the Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Finn Balor segment. So yes, do you want to talk right. us through this one, Quinn? Yeah, so what we saw here was Adam Cole come out and apologise for his uh, apparent attack on Kyle O'Reilly after vengeance day a couple of weeks back and obviously he's been sort of running his mouth over the last couple of weeks explaining that he doesn't need to explain himself to anybody but he was going to come on and do this roddy comes out am i am, am i right roddy comes out to speak to him about it. i don't think kyle o'reilly was anywhere to be seen that's it strong basically said that he doesn't know how he can stop kyle yeah. from doing whatever he, he wants to call yeah exactly he he's kind of deserving to feel bad and he doesn't know how they move forward so Balor comes out at this point and they get the better of Balor, I believe. So with this bit, what I had was that Strong tried to confront Balor on the ramp and Balor basically just chucked him to one side and then him and Cole went at it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Strong then made the save for Cole, so he's still somewhat invested. But then, but he, he, but he hit him, doesn't he? He hits him to the ground. That's it, yeah. Uh, and then he but then stops himself there. And I think this is where you have the breakdown of Adam Cole crying, explaining that he feels really bad. He wants to, he loves them both and he wants to make it right again. He wants to bring, you know, get back to the way they were and stuff like that. And I think anybody who's watched a glimmer of wrestling knows what's coming. <laughs> um, especially when somebody is on their knees for that amount of time. Definitely. Um, obviously, Roddy says that it's going to be okay. They'll, you know, they'll they'll get back to where they were, and then comes the the low blow. And then once he's on his knees, then the super kick, and that kind of just for anybody watching, that is the nail in the coffin for undisputed era. I think we saw it coming. I think it was incredibly entertaining. I think you're always going to get the best out of those guys. They're incredibly good at what they do. The best, I think they're the best at what they do and they're so good at selling a story. They're so emotional. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole themselves are so emotionally invested in the storyline that it's 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 great. The thing that I did, I've taken from it that is going to be strange going forward for me, I don't know about yourself, is the fact that we've seen this mega heel stable for as long as we have. And over the last couple of months, you've kind of seen Kyle O'Reilly take more of a face persona, as it were, but yeah. still part of UE. And now, obviously, this full heel turn on Cole's behalf is we're probably going to see Roddy and Kyle in more face roles. And it's, it's going to be strange dynamic. It's going to be a really strange dynamic. Definitely. I think what's going to be exciting for me most is that you're going to get a week or two, maybe even building up to the next event of Strong and Cole. I think they'll do well to keep Kyle off TV for a couple of weeks because Strong and Cole can can just tell you know, superb stories. I think between them, 
I think once that's done, you can get strong out of the picture completely for him to become whatever he wants to be at that point. I think then you have babyface Kyle come back to face Cole and that's your big match. So yeah, yeah it, I agree. It, similar to how they did with the Shield, really, you're going to have probably uh, Rollins and Reigns as your two to to have the revenge, if you like. But then you're going to have Ambrose, who is your strong in this instance, going to be somebody who can he can go back to being a heel if he wants because he's great at it. He can go back to being a face. I wasn't dead keen on him when he was a face. I thought when he joined the Undisputed Era, it it was a real game changer for me with him. But I think he's built up enough of a character now over the last three or four years that he can he can rely off that now. He's such a, he's probably my favourite wrestler at the minute. I think Roderick Strong. I think that that particular year for NXT was it was proof in the pudding that they're the best at what they do. Yeah, um, I think going into that Dusty Classic final, obviously. UE were a member down because I'm pretty sure Bobby Fish was injured, wasn't he? He broke his, he tore his hamstring or something. So he, they yeah. couldn't, they couldn't defend the titles. And it was the year that they decided to have the Dusty Classic final was the title defense, which I don't think they've done again since. Um, I think that was only a one-off, and mm. maybe they were short on tag teams that year, or you know, short of the build-up, so they, they had to include undisputed era. And obviously, earlier in that match, if you remember that takeover, earlier in that match, we'd seen Adam Cole absolutely slug it out to to win the North American title in a ladder match. True, yeah. So he had to come out and defend the title with O'Reilly, but had was butchered and, and battered from the previous match. So the, in my eyes, I can't believe we were going to see Roddy and Pete Dunne take the tag titles. To see Pete Dunne as a double champion and only just sort of coming out of the ranks of UK... I thought that's it. This is a sure thing, and then we got that heel turn from Roddy, and and it's in it's that just that moment I was sort of had to pick my jaw up off the floor, and and the reason I love wrestling purely for moments like that, and I think we've seen Roddy do amazing things since as part of the in, when they when they won the gold, and you know like Unspeared Era have been amazing, but it will be really exciting to see him. I hope he stays in a heel role eventually, like you said. I wasn't overly keen on him in his face role. But I've said it since day one, that guy, I think one of my first matches I saw was a match against him against Andrade. And I've gone way off on a tangent here, but he has NXT championship material, 100%. Yeah, the the Undisputed Era is no more. I mean, that's the headline. And it probably felt like it was going to be anyway. I didn't know where it was going when Cole came out to apologise, but really cool ending. And it's exciting to see where it's going to go. So up next, we're going to talk about Friday Night Smackdown and break down all of the action from the blue brand. Okay, so on to Friday Night Smackdown. So Roman Reigns opened the show with Jey Uso and Paul Heyman talking about almost having the perfect night at Elimination Chamber by retaining his title against Brian. The only thing was spoiled tonight Edge, and he gave Edge a second chance to change his mind about facing him at WrestleMania. This led to Daniel Bryan coming out. Really good little section here between these two. Daniel Bryan playing on the fact that Roman Reigns needs to prove himself against a fresh Daniel Bryan and requested a title shot at Fastlane. Jey Uso yeah. then beats up Daniel Bryan, throws him over the side into Screensville, whatever you want to call it. And the opening part of SmackDown then laid the groundwork for what was to come for the rest of the show. There was a backstage segment with Edge and Adam Pearce where he was a little bit peeved about 
Brian possibly getting a match at Fastlane against Reigns because he was under the impression that he and Brian would be tagging against Jey Uso and Reigns at Fastlane. Sorry, I think that's a really interesting angle. I didn't see that coming. I know, obviously, that must have been like an off-screen match that had been made. And it was kind of just sort of, like you said, the frustration of Edge to Adam Pearce there was that they were meant to be having this tag match at Fastlane. I think that's a strange angle. Do you not think that's weird seeing that them go? I know it's a tag, but so obviously there won't be as heavy hitters. But do you think that's strange seeing him going into going to blows before Mania? I didn't particularly mind the fact that it was going to be a tag match. It, it wasn't announced as far as I was aware until that part of the show. But what I did find strange was that Edge had a problem with Brian getting a title shot before him because Edge won the Rumble and gets a shot at the title as opposed to the man. So I was a little bit unsure as to why he was annoyed that Brian might become champion at Fastlane. Yeah, I, yeah I no, I couldn't understand I didn't, that. I didn't really get the logic behind that, other than the fact that maybe Edge felt that he wanted to fight Reigns. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, that's where I saw from. That's what I took from it. Maybe that angle that he sort of made, like it's uh, it's it's personal now. Sure, and Adam Pearce basically says, you know, it's nothing personal, but the Universal Title match has kind of fallen into my lap here. If Daniel Bryan can beat Jey Uso later in the night, he will have that title match at Fastlane. If he doesn't, then it'll be the tag match. Yeah. We also had Apollo Crews, which is a big part of the show for me. He's been repackaged. He's got this whole new yeah where he's heel. You don't sound too keen on this. I just think it's got Vince written all over it. I, I, I like I like Apollo Cruz as a heel. I think I think he he's I, he's never ever been on my radar since since I've sort of got back into this to this sport, and he and he sort of falls by the wayside to me. To me, he's just again he's he was uh, he was a repackaged Lashley, or he was something that you could tell that Vince had signed. I think he, again, I think he's he, an ex football player, or he's come from that background, I believe. So um, Apollo was on the Indies for quite a few years as a heel. Was he? Yeah, so he was in Dragon Gate. He was a, he was a real good heel. Oh, in was Dragon he? Gate. Okay, all right. And he's playing to his Nigerian roots now. So he's he's talking about this Yuha Nation, which is the name he wrestled under when he was in Dragon Gate. Right, and he okay, was this, this makes this more sense. Dominant heel. They brought him up through NXT and onto the main roster as a bit of a white meat baby face that had no real personality. I think potentially he's been in various different crap tag teams. Yeah, he was with Titus O'Neil for a bit, wasn't he? And that's and... it in Titus Worldwide or whatever it was. Yeah, but now he seems to have a real angle to him and a real reason to be the way he is. There was a moment on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago where he and Reigns were talking backstage, and the fact that Apollo is going back to his roots, as he put it, and and using the family gimmick in a very similar way to what Reigns is doing. I don't know if WWE will ever play on the fact that Reigns has convinced him to go down that route, but it's you can tell that there's logic in the fact that those two have had this yeah, chat, and now he's it using It did look that. like that, didn't it? It did look like it was kind of like he told him to maybe follow suit a bit, and and he would be able to progress in his career. I think I remember seeing the segment. Yeah, definitely. And this led to a match between he and Nakamura, so he made, again, quite short work of Nakamura and, and got the win. And I think that makes him look strong. I imagine it will probably be looking at Apollo Crews versus Big E for Mania, certainly for Fastlane. 
Yeah, they've done it a couple of times, haven't they? I think I think there was that, and that was the transition period. I think Apollo Crews went into it as the very "I'll shake your hand" at the end of the match, where we're brothers in arms sort of thing. Like, let's just have let's put on a good match, and then his the frustration got the better of him for kept losing to Big E, didn't he? So I think it resulted in a slap after one match, and then then his conversation with Roman, and then obviously a couple of weeks down the line, we have the repackaged uh, Nigerian Prince. Sure. And elsewhere, we had a couple of other matches. So Otis and Gable got wins over Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Seems to be that Otis has been repackaged into a bit more of a heel, which, again, I'm not too against. I think it's going to make him a little bit more bearable on screen. I wasn't a big fan of the, you know, hibbity-dibbity. Blue-collar. Yeah, didn't didn't sit well with me at all, really. And... White, white meat. He's, he's about three years younger than us, but looks about ten years older. <laughs> Yeah, hell of a paper round. And yeah, we also had Tamina, Tamina beat Liv Morgan in, in, again, another match where she's been slightly repackaged and aligned with Natty, which, again, as as second-generation talent, I quite like the idea of. Their families have always had connotations together, haven't they, I think? And I think that's where they that's why they tried to play on this. They've got... There was the, the, the one that they've... I've seen a couple of promotions in terms of what angle they're going down. And obviously, you have... They've come. They both come from families of really successful tag teams. Uh, obviously, on Tamina's side, you have the Wild Samoans, the Usos, the Head Shrinkers. Am I right? Is that Rick? Was that Fatu Rikishi's first? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And then obviously the Heart Foundation. Say, the Heart yeah. Foundation, and I think then there is the combination of the tag team champions of Owen Hart and Yokozuna, and they were tag team champions for quite a while. So I think. That it's I like that I like that nostalgia feel when it comes to WWE and I, and I like that they do play on second third generation families and I, I really do yeah completely this is something that sort of rang through all of SmackDown for me the fact that certain people have been repackaged everyone seems to have a direction it felt like everybody who had a match on SmackDown had a match for a reason I think Otis working with Gable as part of this Alpha Academy is is good for both of those. I think Dominic being with his dad is great because eventually Ray is going to give him the mask, I believe, or potentially the mantle to go on and be the next big lucha star. Yes. I think to Tamina, you know, she's she's never going to be women's champion again, but she's great to build up as someone who can challenge for it and who is a a useful part of the roster rather than just being Tamina. And I think yeah. having a heel heart in her corner is is cool. I think that Apollo Crews has now got direction and I can get right behind him being IC champion or certainly challenging for that. So it just felt like throughout the whole night, you know, Apollo Crews got interrupted during his promo by a pissed off Nakamura as well because mm-hmm. Nakamura had been beaten up the week before. So he had reason to come out and attack him. And yeah, the whole dynamic of SmackDown felt to me like it, it really had a tight-knit purpose, which I think when you look at Raw as an example, there's a bit less of that going on with, with more time to fill. Yeah, and I think I completely agree. I think when, regardless of what, what we say about SmackDown, I think Raw is always going to be, in people's eyes, is meant to be the flagship show. So it, it does beg me to question how it can be so sloppy. And like you said, everything in SmackDown, especially this week, just seemed to slot right into place. And everyone, like you said, I can't say it better than yourself. Everyone has a direction. Everyone knows where they're going. And you can kind of look at SmackDown 
and see how their half of Mania is going to look. Definitely. Well, that leads us nicely into the next section then. So this is Bianca Belair choosing her opponent for WrestleMania. So it started with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville in the ring. They bring out Bianca. Reginald then comes out. Not too sure why at this point. We had a listener when, from when, last we've, week. We've contact discussed me. this. We don't know why Reginald does these things. But go on. No, so a friend of mine contacted me uh, who listened to the podcast last week and just said plainly, I need to find out more about Reginald. <laughs> He's kind of transfixed now with this idea that this sommelier is is somehow involved in wrestling. And I have no idea why he came out. He basically gave Bianca some second thoughts on whether she should pick Sasha because her dream could dissolve into a nightmare at WrestleMania if she faces Sasha. This leads to Banks coming out, who then tells Reginald not to speak for her. They dismiss him. And gets into this little bit of back and forth between those two. It ultimately ends with Bianca pointing to the sign and declaring that Sasha will be her opponent for Mania. Yeah. Didn't like the way that they did this, but I think if we just shelve that entirely and just focus on the fact that you've got two African-American women possibly headlining one night at WrestleMania, certainly in a big title match at WrestleMania, it's going to be the first time ever, I believe, that two African-Americans have fought over a title at Mania. The fact that they're both women as well is even more incredible. It's such a positive storyline that I don't want to focus too much on how they got to the the decision. I but just, I just celebrate the fact that they did. I agree. I completely agree. And but I don't agree so much with the way they got there, I, as in terms of what you're saying. I think I think that's the only way they're going to do this now. I think we questioned it last week in terms of what how we expected that tag match to end. Mm. And how what we thought because we let's be let's uh, be honest here, we we knew that she was going to pick Sasha, didn't we? Yeah. Just given she's been on SmackDown every week, and and it's just the build up has been right. And yeah, what you're saying is incredibly right. Like I, it's an it in my mind there is no other match that can headline one of the nights. Like it has to be that match. Yeah. I think it's it strange does. that I think it's strange that I think SmackDown has to headline both. I think what is the point of I don't I can't see Reigns and Edge not so I I don't know if they'll go down that road who knows but I definitely think that Sasha and Bella should it's a no brainer should headline because of everything that you've just mentioned and what that match stands for and given that reasoning this is why I think we have a potential Charlotte and Asuka level match that there needs there doesn't need to be a heel turn there doesn't need to be who's a face, who's a baby face, who's a heel. It doesn't need to be that because this match just stands for so much more. Yeah, completely agree. Just a, a, a good good match between two equal competitors with a, hand, with a handshake or a hug at the end. Yeah. Do you worry at all with the inclusion of Reginald that they might be trying to shoehorn Carmella into this to become a triple threat match? I don't. I honestly don't know with that. I I hope not. I really hope not. Yeah. But but yeah, I can I can see where you're going with it. I, I think I think Belair deserves more. Hundred. I think they both think, do. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I I would I would hope that this Reginald thing gets squashed pretty easy. I think maybe they might incorporate something into Fastlane that might maybe nip that in the bud. Yeah. A, a guy can dream. A guy can dream. What I would say is I think the reaction on social media and throughout all of the press since the announcement was made between these two going at it at Mania, if they had plans to include Carmella, they will probably have to kibosh them now. 
because such has been the reaction to these two going at it at Mania that it would almost be scandalous now to include Carmella in that match. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so we then had a nice little segment between Rollins and Cesaro. Rollins appears to be trying to recruit Cesaro to be a bit of an understudy to him so he can get him to finally you know, grab that brass ring and break that glass ceiling. Cesaro duly declined, floored yeah. him and spun him for must have been about 20 spins. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, these two are just great, great sort of in-ring talent. Rollins is great on the mic. I would happily see these two, whatever they want to do, if they want to do a best of seven between these two, like they did with Cesaro and Sheamus a couple of years back. If they wanted to do an Ironman match, it would be great to showcase how great Cesaro is. And we obviously know Rollins can, can do that type of thing. I don't know if they'll get that much of a rub, it's as I say, it's, it's quite a short show, and there is a lot going on. But where do you see Cesaro and Rollins maybe going? I I'd like to see it go to Mania. I don't have as much faith in WWE as I'd like, and I feel like that maybe it will something that we get at Fastlane instead. But I think I think I agree with what you're saying. Like these guys, are, these are two guys that have came up through the Indies. They can both go. They probably worked well together multiple times in, in Ring of Honor. Um, I think you give these guys 45 minutes just to do what they do best, it, it'd be very entertaining. Yeah, and talking about that continuity on SmackDown, so on the way out of the arena for Cesaro, Daniel Bryan's music hits and we're straight into the main event. So yeah. it, it's all this transitional, fluid, moving show that it feels like it's happening naturally as it goes uh, i did forget to mention as well sorry the street profits got a victory over zane and corbin before we go into the main event just so we can just quickly mention obviously which is a shame with us going into i'm going to sound like i repeat myself a lot but with this build-up and like i said we've got six weeks left till wrestlemania and i'd like to see more appearances from the tag team champion i and they're, they're one of the combined rude and ziggler this is a good point. So when I watched this match back at the end of the, the match when the Street Profits had got the win, they said that the tag team champions will be watching. And are they called the Dirty Dogs? The Dirty Dogs, yeah. Fucking hell. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll cut the show there then, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> just, just so, uh, when, when did these two win the belts? So this isn't the first time they've been tag champions. They were they were the Raw tag champs, and then they got moved. Both got moved to SmackDown on in the Shake Up, and then yeah, they just sort of like did this back and forth with uh, Street Profits, and they ended up getting the win. And, right. Uh, the, the 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 Ziggler is we could I could talk I could spend an entire episode talking about Ziggler, and um um my my friend of mine. He has this obsession with Ziggler, and he he said he wants he wants to incorporate him into every episode. <laughs> like, like <laughs> he's so un, he's so underused, but he's been there. You could easily have a Kofi Mania moment with Ziggler. Uh, oh, just... I I couldn't disagree more. I, he needs to get in the bin for me, Big Dolph. Oh, really? Yeah, and the the dirty dogs. Uh, we're gonna oh, have to speak name. about we're gonna have to speak about this main event. I think we'll. We'll table the Ziggler chat we'll for the table time the being. Dirty dogs. The table the we'll dirty get back, back in the back but, in the kennel, um, and then we'll come back to them at a later but, date. Yeah, we do. We do need to see more tag team. Like we need to see the tag team titles being being polished up a little bit. And and yeah, so we went into Daniel Bryan against Jey Uso. Daniel Bryan, if he wins, he gets the title shot at Fastlane. Yeah, and if he loses, the tag. Indeed, and 
from the way that the show had been built, I half had a mind that Edge might deliberately cost Brian the match. Okay. Because he seemed to have a bit of an issue with Brian having a title shot prior to him. Yeah, yeah. There was also a bit backstage where Reigns had been informed that if Brian wins, then he will get a title shot. So I wasn't sure if through some shenanigans of Reigns and Edge both wanting Brian to lose, he might actually win. Okay. That obviously didn't happen. <laughs> what what did happen was a really good bout between these two. Just fantastic. I had, again. had no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. They, they, it's, Brian, again, is Brian's taken on completely on that role to put the young guys over, and he does it with such finesse and he, and he just yeah he makes these guys look great not that they're bad they need to make look great we know that jay Uso's fantastic at what he does as well and he's had a really good run but i think brian's like gargano that we mentioned earlier that he's he's there to spotlight these guys he is and we spoke last week about tag teams splitting up and and one of the or, or both of them going on to do great things jay Uso again just having the type of match that solidifies the fact that he is going to be his own star yeah, the match ultimately ended in a double count-out. Just from brawling at ringside, there'd been a, a lot of, again, work on, on Brian's injured leg. Where do we think this might lead to with there being no conclusive winner or loser? Well, they have they confirmed on Twitter yesterday that there is a cage match between Daniel Bryan and Jey Uso. So I'm wondering if they're gonna, that's going to be the, the decider. Okay. And Which I'm you... very excited for. I think will be, I think that'll be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be really good. And the fact that the the, the match will have to finish then, you'd, you'd hope, will, yeah. will definitely lead to, you'd imagine, Brian getting some form of shot. Do you see, again, similar to with the women's title match, it potentially becoming a triple threat at Mania? What I'm asking no. is, is Daniel Bryan the Carmella in this story? No, I don't think so. I think, done right, I think we we may get DB and Jay. Well, I did think that before the announcement of the cage match. Now, obviously, I'm questioning it, but I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that on a grander stage. Um, So, no, I I think it's going to be solely Edge and Reigns, I think. Okay. Do you think there's maybe room for Edge and D. Bry at Fastlane? Possibly, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that. There's a there's a list as long as my as long as my arm that I think that everybody wants to see. Edge go up against uh, in with his return, and like we mentioned last week, he's I don't think he's coming in to be a part-time champion if he takes the belt at Mania. I think he's you know going to happily sit and be a full-timer. So I think it's I think it, it's exciting to the prospect of these matches, and yeah, if we get a, just a, a one-on-one at Fastlane, because that's the thing with with Edge does need that rub up, doesn't he? He doesn't he, he, he I don't think he can sit out now until Mania. He needs to be in these matches. He needs to be there. Yeah, you um, want to be able to see what he can do before Mania, definitely. But yeah. I've got no doubt that whoever he ends up facing and however the dynamic plays out, it's going to be good. My only slight yeah. worry is if if Dee Bry isn't involved in that title picture, do do we see him and Jay again in a, in a one on one? I don't know if that does enough for me for for Dee Bry at that stage. But on the other yeah. side of the coin, there that that could be a, a career night for Jay, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, it could. I think it will. I think. I think it's daft to think that we wouldn't see Jay having some involvement at Mania somewhere along the line. Whether that means he has his own match or not, I don't know. Yeah, lots to still happen on on both shows, and I think overall, as, as a week of wrestling, it, it was pretty good. Overall thoughts on the on the week win? 
yeah, I think uh, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. I think that we got um, a, a glide path, as it were, a roadmap to WrestleMania <laughs> through, Smack, through SmackDown. And yeah, I think Raw this week, hopefully, is going to have some interesting angles so we can we can have a better idea next episode to where what direction we're headed. Brilliant. Well, we are going to be back next week to discuss all things WWE again. You can follow us on Twitter at Fresh on the Heels. You can also find our show on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts as well. Just want to give a shout out to our boy Scoots for his birthday today. Happy birthday, brother. Yeah, happy birthday, Scooter. And we'll see you next week. Cheers, Quinn. Yeah, take care, man. You too.